Welcome to PwC's Organization and Workforce Transformation Podcast. This series is focused on helping you make a difference as an HR leader and business partner. In each episode, you'll receive new ideas from experienced leaders who are helping employers drive workforce transformation. You'll also receive clear takeaways to put these ideas into use in your own organization. Hello, listeners. I'm Barbara Newick, Health and Welfare Practice Leader. Today, I'm joined by Cornell Steger, my partner and leader of our Compensation and Benefits Compliance Practice in the New York office. Today, we're going to discuss our 13th Annual Health and Wellbeing Touchdown Survey, which covers all aspects of the employee benefit space. We're excited to share our insights from this year's survey, but before we do so, Cornell, please say hi. Thanks, Barbara. Hello, everyone. Excited to join you and share some thoughts on the findings around workforce trends and well-being. The survey was completed in the spring of 2020, a time of unprecedented upheaval of the U.S. healthcare system, the economy, and the well-being of people. The amount of change and angst permeates everything from how people feel about the government, society, and their benefits. As industry struggles to figure out how to best balance liquidity and workforce needs, we did see a difference in responses based on timing, pre-COVID-19 and amidst COVID-19. So we wanted to share some of the distinctions we saw in the results by timing in addition to the results by employer size. This year we had about 500 respondents, about 31% or so were small employers and that for small employers we define that as those with under 1,000 employees. And the rest was split pretty evenly between mid-size 5,000 and 1,000 employees and large employers which are over 5,000. So let's look at what we found. Cornell, what were some of the key workforce trends that emerged in this year's responses? Sure. If we look at the data around workforce trends, it is important to understand how employers' challenges have shifted as a result of COVID. Respondents were asked to rank their top five challenges and areas for improvement. If you compare these results to prior years, it becomes clear that employers are less concerned with turnover and more concerned with developing their people. An example is a stress management turner, which have been the top challenge for employers over the last few years, but they dropped sharply as priorities for post-COVID responses. Instead, finding opportunities for meaningful employee development, likely remotely, and diversity have been elevated to the top two priorities for this year. This will be a challenge for employers to develop and implement a new learning strategy and how best to utilize technology and a likely much more virtual experience for their employees. Areas for improving employers' people strategies have also changed a bit after the lockdown. While benefits and perquisites stay on the top of this list, training and learning jumped from fourth to second, and work-life flexibility also increased in the top five improvement areas. Flexibility was a growing trend for employers even before the pandemic, but now we are hearing employers think of how to adapt and evolve their programs, with some focusing on working parents and how to help them in these trying times generally being teachers, caregivers, in addition to being employees. Rounding out the top five areas for improvement include diversity and inclusion and career progression. Another emerging trend is on DNI and how many organizations are likely to find their own voice and have their company culture be part of their brand. In the past, companies may have been more passive, but in light of the current environment, many organizations are being much more active in their efforts, both internally and externally to the market. Wow. It was interesting to see those shifts. Let's look at the medical program. You know, I'm kind of a medical junkie. So the first thing we always look at and touch on when it comes to medical are the costs. And we saw in 2020 that costs went up 7.2%, which is more than they've gone up in the past. So that was a little bit disconcerting but they actually dropped down to 5.2% after plan design changes. The big difference though really was on the employer size. 
For small employers, which are those under a thousand lives, the cost actually went up 11.1%, which was huge and dropped all the way down to 6.7, which means those small employers did a lot of cost shifting through benefit designs onto their employees. Both mid-size and large group employers, so everyone over a thousand, kind of started out getting cost increases in the high five range, but that really dropped to the mid to high four range when they made the plan design changes. So large employers and mid-sized employers are absorbing more of the cost difference where the small employers are doing cost shifting. The second big takeaway we saw was for the first time, and I was really surprised by this, uh, the 2020 responders indicated that high deductible health plans were the highest enrolled plan of all their health plan offerings, more so than the PPO or point of service open access plans with 49% indicating that HDHPs were the highest enrolled plan versus the prior year, which was 43%. So last year, we had 51% enrolled in PPO or point-of-service type plans and only 41% in HDHPs as the highest enrolled plan. So that was a really big takeaway from us. Also, we saw a big increase in the number of employers that offer high-deductible health plans or HDHPs, 86%, and that was up from 81 last year while only 77% offer PPO plans anymore or point of service. And that was down slightly from last year's number. So that was pretty interesting. Also, employers are offering a little bit more options here. Last year, um, it was 3.3. This year is 3.5 different plan options. And what we really saw is in small employers, instead of offering just one or two plans, are offering two or three plans. And large employers in mid-market, instead of offering two or three plans, are offering four to six plans. So that's what really drove those changes. I think the biggest and most exciting change we saw this year was on medical strategies. And it was really distinctive based on when the person responded to the survey, before lockdown or post-lockdown. So post-COVID respondents were more likely to increase employee contributions and use salary-related contributions to do that. We haven't really seen that in the past. Not a lot of people have implemented or would consider doing it. But they were also more interested in considering narrow networks or high-performing networks. Again, this is something we've found in a world where we have a war for talent. Employers were really worried about disruption. They wouldn't consider narrow networks or high-performance networks. And we're also seeing more interested in full replacement, high-deductible health plans. One of the interesting tidbits we saw is while very few employers have implemented private exchanges for their active employees, many more would consider doing it in the post or after COVID hit versus pre-COVID hit. So those were some interesting insights into we might finally get some new strategic planning happening on the medical side. So those were the big changes we saw in the medical programs. But Cornell, in the COVID, post-COVID-19 environment or the mid-COVID-19 environment, we're talking to a lot of employers about leave programs in order to help employees better manage familial responsibilities. What did the survey say about leave? Thanks, Barbara. Interesting enough, not as much change here as we think is still to come from the organizations. But here are some of the quick data points. 41% of employers offered PTO programs with an average number of days still at 20. 44% have separate sick and vacation days programs with the median days being seven sick days and 15 vacation days. On the leave side, most employers offer paid maternity and paternity leave, with the typical allotment being 30 days for maternity and 20 for paternity. But we did see the paternity leave prevalence did increase this year up to 74% from 60%, continuing the upward trend on that benefit. An emerging topic as we're approaching the fall is how employers will look at their benefits that support working parents. This is ranging from ways of working around flexibility 
And the data, not surprising, we're seeing an increase in the use of flexible working hours, reduced scheduled and telecommuting in 2020 versus the results from 2019. We're also seeing employers ask about the financial levers they can pull and other support programs in place that they can drive engagement for their employees facing a challenging fall, balancing school and work needs. On the well-being front, employers continue to invest in well-being with almost all employers, 98% offering EAPs and over 70% sponsoring smoking cessation and fitness challenges. Aligning well-being strategies with corporate culture and people strategies can lay the groundwork for a more holistic well-being program. While we see more employers interested in this, some of the survey results seem to be a little counterintuitive. We did see that fewer employers were offering financial literacy programs. It could be that they're also thinking about what is financial literacy versus financial wellness for their organization. More were offering gym memberships and reimbursements. So we'll summarize our findings with at least in the final report. I think the takeaway in well-being is that it is still a focus area for every organization, and companies are looking to broaden their offerings to be more than physical well-being, but also include the mental, financial aspects as well. Barbara, those are the highlights I saw. Any closing thoughts? The full report will be available shortly and has additional information on lots of other benefit programs like ancillary programs, perks, prescription drugs, water leave programs, well-being, care management, and a lot of information on retirement programs and retiree medical. Cornell, thanks for the great discussion today. For more information on this topic and additional podcasts, please visit our Organizational Workforce Transformation podcast page on pwc.com. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com backslash structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.